Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 16 of Revelation chapter 19. We're going to be reading verses 12 and 13. Revelation 19, verse 12. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. These verses are describing the Lord Jesus Christ, as we saw back in verse 11 that he was seated upon a white horse and and his name was called Faithful and True and only Jesus is faithful, only Jesus is truth. And now in verse 12, God is further uh, speaking of him, describing him, and says his eyes were as a flame of fire. Now this is, I think, the third time in the book of Revelation that God has made this sort of statement um, if we go back to Revelation chapter 1, we'll just look at one other uh, instance. In Revelation 1, beginning in verse 12, it says, And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and gird about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. And there's the same statement that we have in our verse, in Revelation 19, verse 12. His eyes were as a flame of fire. And it's teaching the same thing, and we discussed this uh, when we went through Revelation chapter 1, that... God's eyes are a figure uh, to represent uh, what he sees. And, and God sees everything about everyone. And so God sees the outward things and the inner things. He knows the words and the actions that people do. And he also knows the thoughts that they think consciously. Or even subconsciously, God knows what is going on in the deep down part of a man that even the man himself does not know. God's eyes see all. That's why the Bible says that all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And when God does um, see all, when he does see all of the people of the world, what what does he see? He sees sin. He sees uh, constant sin, continuous sin, and transgression of his law. And what is the response of God when he sees sin? It is provoking him to anger and wrath, 
And, and that's why it says his eyes were as a flame of fire. Because the all-seeing God sees the filthy deeds of mankind all over the earth. And it has kindled wrath in him. And, and therefore his eyes are as a flame of fire. And of course it's an appropriate point in time to uh, make this statement because Revelation 19 is describing Judgment Day, the time in which God is judging men for their sins that um, that have become known to him or that God sees. Well, it goes on to say, His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And this is referring, again, to Christ's head. Why does the Lord Jesus have on his head many crowns? Not just one crown. We know he's a king, but many crowns. And I think we can understand the reason once we turn to this verse in the Old Testament in Second Samuel chapter 12. Let's go back to Second Samuel 12, and we'll just read one verse, verse 30. And this is um, speaking of King David when the army of David took um, a city and the city's name was Rabbah of the Ammonites. And it says in Second Samuel 12, verse 30, And he took their king's crown from off his head, the weight whereof was a talent of gold, with the precious stones, and it was set on David's head, and he brought forth the spoil of the city in great abundance. So the, the, the Israelites conquered Rabbah, defeated the Ammonites, and they, they had a king who wore a crown, and David took his crown, and it was put on his head to signal that now that city and, and that people were under the rule of David. David was the victor. Israel was triumphant. And now uh, David ruled over the people of Ammon. And, and that's what it, it means. David continued to hold the crown as king of Israel. So we can see um, just with this historical example that he had two crowns. And then if David's army, led by Joab, would conquer another people, David would wear their crown, and so on. And now in Revelation 19, as the Lord Jesus Christ has done battle with Satan and his kingdom, as as Satan rules over the nations of the world, and Babylon is a mistress of nations, that is, it Babylon rules over all the nations, and therefore, when the Lord Jesus Christ defeats Satan and his kingdom, or Babylon, he has defeated all the kingdoms of the world. He has set down all rule and authority and power. It's as though all the kings of all the nations of mankind have uh, been conquered and and enter into a submissive role to the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is wearing their crowns. 
indicating he is ruling over all of the nations of the world, all of the unsaved inhabitants of the earth. And then it goes on to say in verse 12, And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. Now, the Bible indicates that uh, Jesus Christ has many names. He has numerous names. Actually, in in this um, very chapter, in Revelation chapter 19, we read of a couple of Jesus' names. In verse 13, the next verse, it says, And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. So there is a name of Jesus, and we'll we'll look at that when we get to this verse. We'll we'll spend some time looking at this name of Christ, but also go down to verse sixteen here in Revelation chapter nineteen, and it says there, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. There's another name applied to Christ, and he's the Word of God. Uh, he he is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And actually, uh, it, it could be, I'm not saying this is definite, but as we read here in verse 12, uh, considering the context was that Jesus had on his head many crowns, and, and the statement that he is king of kings and lord of lords uh, goes along with that idea very well. Uh, that is, that Christ has conquered all kings, making him king of kings and lord of lords. And in the Greek, where it says he had a name written, the, the Greek text actually says he had or having had a name written. It's something that has been done long ago, having had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And and so Christ has always known he is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, but there had to be a demonstration of that. There had to be a proving of it. As Satan claimed to be king over over the unsafe people of the earth and and he actually won um, that through the right of conquest in the Garden of Eden. And, and then during the Great Tribulation, Satan's rule was magnified and expanded over the nations and over the church. So Satan uh, was making greater and greater claims. And, and so Jesus had a name written that no man knew that he was the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and it would not be until Judgment Day, which began on May 21, 2011, and and that's the day Satan was deposed from all rule. He was put down. He he no longer rules as the man of sin in the churches. He no longer rules over the unsaved inhabitants of the earth outside of the churches. He has been put down from all rule and authority and power and and now Jesus is showing forth and demonstrating 
his name that he had always known he had, which is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's that's a possibility for what this um, name is referring to here in verse 12. Now, of course, it's difficult to say that with uh, absolute understanding or, or definitely, but it's very possible that's the case. But if not, then uh, it could be that God is um, maintaining a name for himself that he only is aware of and, and no one else. And why would God do that? Well, it, it would indicate that there are things about God that only he knows. And, and of course, God is infinite and eternal and, uh, he, he's just enormous in his being. And, and so there is much about God that we don't know. We don't know anything as a matter of fact, unless God grants us understanding and reveals himself to us. But it, I think it is possible that this name that was written, um, that no man knew, the name that having been written, no man knew, but Christ himself was the name that uh, came into full evidence and, and the full sight of all at the time of Judgment Day for the world and and for Satan and his forces. All right, let's go on to verse 13. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. The Lord Jesus was clothed with a vesture, and that's a garment, dipped in blood. Now, why would Christ be clothed with um, a garment or a vesture dipped in blood? Well, it reminds us of what we read in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 63. Let's go back to Isaiah 63, and we'll read the first few verses. In verse 1, Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Basra, this that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength? I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel, and thy garments like him that treadeth in the wine vat? I have trodden the winepress alone, and of the people there was none with me. For I will tread them in mine anger, and trample them in my fury, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment, for the day of vengeance is in mine heart, and the year of my redeem is come. Now here we we have a very difficult passage because it appears to be describing Christ, who at the point of the world's foundation was suffering the wrath of God, suffering uh, since he is God, God forsook God. Uh, Christ was the high priest that put himself, the lamb, to death. And there was blood. He shed blood because he gave his life for um, his elect people. He paid for their sins. And and therefore, uh, his garments were stained at that point with his own blood. 
as he uh, paid the price of the wages of sin is death, and Christ paid that penalty, satisfying the law's demands for everyone that he had elected to salvation. But the language here also, when God is speaking of, as it says in verse 3, I will tread them in mine anger and trample them in my fury, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment, is the language of judgment. It's the language of the wrath of God being poured out upon the sinners. And and that's exactly what we have here in Revelation 19. We have Christ with uh, clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And then look uh, in verse 15. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. So we we have, I think, a dual teaching, a, a passage that has a dual application, one to Christ himself and another to Judgment Day when Christ will uh, uh, be treading the winepress and and destroying the unsaved people. And uh, so the the vesture or the garments sprinkled in blood or 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 as it says in Revelation nineteen thirteen, dipped in blood is pointing to the life of the one under the wrath of God. Well, it goes on to say in verse thirteen, and his name is called the Word of God. And I mentioned uh, that this is another name for Christ. I don't know how many names God gives himself in the Bible or how many names Christ uh, is given. And, of course, Christ and God are one and the same. Uh, it, it's numerous. Uh, God gives himself names in order to help us understand certain uh, characteristics of his or aspects of his. And this particular name well, this is a glorious name. All all of God's names are glorious. But we um, take special note of this name because his name is called the Word of God. And it, it, in other words, uh, Christ is the Word. Uh, as we read in John 1.1, 1, 1, let, let's go back there in John chapter 1. Um, the Gospel of John opens up in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And here's a strong proof that Jesus Christ is God. We know in Revelation 19, Jesus Christ is said to be called his name, the Word of God. And here in John 1, 1, the Word was with God and the Word was God. And and then it says in verse 14 of John 1, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
eternal God the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst men. He entered into the human race. He walked around as a man. And wherever Jesus went, the Word of God was going. And Jesus completely identifies with the Word of God, the Bible. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says in verse 7, speaking of Jesus, Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. The the volume of the book, that's the whole Bible, the whole word of God is written concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the essence of Scripture. He's the essence of everything we read in the Bible. No matter where you open the book and and turn to read, whether it's the genealogies in Genesis chapter 1, or whether it's the book of Judges, or if it's the Psalms, wherever you read, you are reading about the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's impossible to separate the Word of God, the Bible, from Christ. And, and that's why doctrine is so important. That's why truth is so important. Because people, um, will, will swear and, and tell you, um, with an oath, oh, I love Jesus. I love Jesus Christ. How I love Him. And, and yet Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Because what are the commandments but the Word of God? He is the Word. And if you love Him, if you love the Word, then you're going to obey it. And you will uh, respond faithfully to it. And, and so when Christ says, this is my Word on a particular point, that is what the child of God wants to keep. We, we want to keep that word because as we keep it faithfully, as we observe it in truth, in spirit and in truth, then this is Christ. This is the, um, the essence of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the word made flesh. And, and so it's a very real, um, showing of love towards him if we are keeping his commandments. But on the other hand, if we're failing to keep his commandments, then it doesn't matter how much we we mouth the words or profess love to him or speak of our 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 feelings about him, we are showing through our actions that we do not love him, we do not love the word of God. Remember how God speaks of failure to love the truth. In Second Thessalonians chapter 2, it says in verse 10, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but at pleasure in unrighteousness. So God says they uh, receive not the love of the truth. 
and and Christ is the truth. Thy word is truth. And if you you don't have a love of the truth, what are you uh, failing to do? To keep his commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. But if you don't have a love of Christ or a love of the truth, then it's not all that important to you that you make sure you be uh, studious and diligent and careful uh, regarding every word of God that is spoken, every doctrine of the Bible. You you want to make sure you understand it and get it right and and are obeying God on that point of a woman teaching or uh, of marriage and divorce or of Sunday the Sabbath or of the end of the church age or of uh, a judgment day occurring on May 21, 2011, or whatever it is, the child of God wants to uphold and maintain the true teaching of the Bible and and the doctrine of Christ. And let, let's just look at that because, of course, the doctrine of Christ goes hand in hand with the Word of God. It says in... Second John, in verse 9, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ has not God. He that abideth, or continues in the doctrine of Christ, he has both the Father and the Son. So the, the, the true believer is very earnest in his desire uh, to to do the will of God, to keep Christ's commandments faithfully, to observe his sayings as found in the Bible. And, of course, God's Holy Spirit guides us and directs us into truth that we might do that to a greater and greater degree throughout our life. And the the Word of God here is... Another name for the Lord Jesus Christ. His name is called the Word of God. And in the day of judgment, that name especially will shine through. It is the Word of God that is bringing judgment. The Word of God that is executing the judgment that the Bible has uh, long declared and spoken of. And now it's judgment day and God's word is being greatly glorified. It is being lifted up because God is opening up the scriptures to reveal the judgment of the world, not by the, the eyes of man. It's not through physical sight, but he is revealing it on the pages of the Bible. He's revealing it through the Word of God. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.